Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time. And uh, it's been a busy weekend, hasn't it? Graduations, and uh, Christy and I, we, we finally have completed the 12-year journey with our oldest. She's probably in bed right now, isn't she? Oh, she's getting ready for second service. I figured so. You know, I was concerned uh, Friday night because we went to graduation and then we went to uh, Operation Graduation. And I, and, I was, and I was thinking, you know what? How am I going to do this without Copenhagen? I ain't dipped in years. And when I was in the Marine Corps, that's the only way I was able to stay up as much as I did. So, so I had to do it with coffee and chocolate chip cookies. And uh, you know what? I was good till about 6.30. But once 6.30 hit... And those, uh, the junior class showed up to do the cleanup. I was, uh, my countenance had fallen. It was time to go to bed. And so we came home yesterday about 7, slept till 11. We won't sleep all day because we wanted to sleep last night. So, so uh, to this morning now, I feel fair right now. But when I got up this morning, it is like, dude, this is why I don't party anymore. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, plus, I mean, Jesus says, you know, behave yourself. But, you know, I mean, hey. For the wages of sin is death. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, so we had graduation, and I know uh, Lumberton graduated yesterday, and, and I, I think, was there any graduations left? I guess we got Warren next week. But anywho, graduations aside, tomorrow is what? Memorial Day. And uh, first of all, I want to commend you, if you're here today, for your faithfulness to show up despite it being Memorial Day. Uh, which I'm not belittling Memorial Day at all, but, you know, hey, first and foremost, we serve God above and beyond anything else. And uh, today, today is one of those weekends where the attendance is usually lower, uh, at its lowest probably. It's probably competitive with maybe one or two other Sundays. Uh, but today I did want to kind of uh, glean off where we're at this, this weekend in Memorial Day. Uh, the other night at 2.30 in the morning, I went out to take the trash at Opgrad, and the lights were on at the Koontz uh, track. Music was playing, and there were people out there walking. And I'm like, is this a normal Koontz affair or what? And so I walked out there, and uh, I'd heard about Oath through the Bastions, and, uh, and uh, I think Brent Arsman's friends with Gary Bartell. You guys are friends with Gary Bartell. He's, he's the originator of it, I guess. But the guy, he's a, he's a Christian. They were playing Christian music when I walked out there. And uh, he... Uh, but apparently he's been on a 150-mile hike since Wednesday night, and he'll finish it today. And I think he hiked all night last night, right? Yeah, 12 o'clock. So he, he started, what, about 5 o'clock yesterday evening? Well, I know he's been sleeping here and there, but, like, I think to finish what he had to do, he wasn't going to be able to sleep last night. So he's been, since 6 o'clock last night, he's been on his feet marching until 12 o'clock today. And, like, from 10 to... Uh, from like 12 today to 10 at night, they're actually having a Memorial Day celebration at the Coons High School, and uh, there'll be and there'll be Christian bands, and they'll have stuff for the kids and all that. And so, so my point is this: is somehow, some way, you know, hey, celebrate the weekend, but don't celebrate it at the expense of the men who died to give us this weekend. It's called Memorial Day. I had a, one of my old uh, sniper school instructors posted a deal. He said. He said, Memorial Day is for the fallen, don't thank me. He's a veteran. Today, this isn't Veterans Day, it's Memorial Day. And I got to look in, you know, just at the figures, and you can go down. And a lot of times, there's a lot of little battles, and there are deaths that aren't usually communicated. 
just the big major battles, but there have been over 1.1 million people have died from the Revolutionary War to Operation Enduring Freedom that we're currently involved in now. There are people, there are that many people who have died for the sake of freedom in our country. That's a lot of people who have died. Uh, the deadliest battle was World War I. It was the Argonne Forest. There were 26,000 people died in that one battle. And I mean, I, I mean, and you, think, you just think about how grotesque that scene must have been with that many dead just on our side. That doesn't account for all the other armies that were there fighting, laying in that forest dead and decaying. And they said that back then at those days, at World War I, they said 12% of Americans volunteered for service. And they say now less than 1% volunteer to secure the freedom of our country. And I'm not here to, to, to you know, if you didn't serve, that's not what I'm trying to get at. The, the point is, is that it is becoming less honored the fact of what it took for us to be who we are. And I think the biggest thing is, is when we don't look back. Now listen, I mean, you know, there's a time to look back, amen? And there's a time to look forward. I think most people look back at things they shouldn't be looking back at and things that they shouldn't be focused on. We should be focused forward, but we should take our past experiences and past knowledge and the history that has gone before us to say, how should I live in the future? What should we do in the future? And when we, when we don't look back and see the cost that it took us to get where we are, we forget how to walk in where we're at. We forget on what it took to get here, and we think, because we don't look back, that we're going to get to the future some other way or some other means that isn't going to work. You know, it's, it's the, the basic facts of this is we've been at war since Adam and Eve, and we're going to be at war until Jesus comes back, and he sits on the throne, and there will be no wars in his reign because there will be peace, and every tongue shall confess, and everyone's going to bow and say that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Everyone. There won't be opposing armies. There'll just be one kingdom. That is the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what? There's a lot of jokes right now. You know, you got the little memes on Facebook they come up and they make fun of the people, you know, like they'll have some salesman or something, you know, that makes fun. Hey, can I, can I share with you about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Have y'all seen the memes making fun of people sharing Jesus Christ on Facebook? You haven't? Y'all ain't been paying attention. I see them everywhere. And here's the deal. Jesus is Lord. And whether you confess that now or not, one day you will. But when we forget about our past, we forget about the price. And we forget how to walk in it right now. And so as Americans, we are f free at the cost of someone else's life to the tune of over 1.1 million. And you know what? There's just wars and there's wars that we, we shouldn't be involved with. But here's the deal. When you have enemies that are growing and they're ready and they're, and they're ready and prepared to wipe you out as a people of who you are, that's a just war. I don't care what you say about it. Uh, we, we see the children of Israel. You know, they went in, they went in to take the promised land by the, by the leading of God. They had to fight battles, and they had to go in there. And so the point is this, is in this physical realm that we live of warring and fighting and enemies, the, really, the, the, the thing to understand is this, is behind all that is a spiritual war going on. Behind all of that, there's a spiritual war going on. Paul says, you know, that we, we war not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces and those spiritual forces reveal themselves how physically 
And there are men that are of their father, the devil, and the lust of their father they will do, the Bible says, because you have no other option. When I was lost before, before Jesus came in my life and I was born again, I was of my father, the devil, and the lust of my father I did. That's the only option I had. You, you could try to do good, right? But how did that always work out? It always worked, ended up in failure. You know, that, that was what, you know, the law in the Old Testament, it showed Israel. God says, you do this on your own, through your own strength, and, and I'm going to show you how it turns out. And they continuously fail. They continuously, uh, you know, uh, didn't miss the mark. But Jesus came, and he died so that I could be free, so that I could be released from the law, no longer a slave to do something that I really can't do, but now I have freedom in Christ. Amen? And so as we think about Memorial Day, I want to think about Jesus and remember what Jesus has done in our life. You know, as Christians, we are free at the cost of someone's life. And it wasn't a bunch of people. It wasn't 1.1 million. It was, there was only one person whose death could secure our salvation. There's only one person whose death could free us from the wages of sin and death. There's only one person who was righteous enough. There was only one person who was holy enough, and his name was Jesus. And unless we sit down, first of all, unless you've realized this, it's really impossible for you to be saved. The Bible says to be saved that we should call upon the name of the Lord and believe that he died for our sins. He died in our place. I mean, I think we've used the analogy so many times that they just become numb to us, but the analogy that your head was on the chopping block and Jesus walked up and said, remove him, I'm going to die in his place. Because we do, we, de we get desensitized, we get unfamiliar, we get numb to the reality of what really took place. And we do that with the men who've died for our country, and we do that with Christ who died literally, not... Not figuratively. He literally died in our place for us. But once again, the physical world replicates the spiritual world working behind the scenes. And once again, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And it says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. How many of you want to stand firm? How many of you want to be able to resist the wiles of Satan? How many of you, when Satan, who is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, comes to you, he says, this is not edible. I have no opportunity. The Bible says give no opportunity to the devil. Why? Because he'll take it every time. So why are we free and how do we walk in freedom? As Christians. First of all, you have to realize that you're free. And secondly, you have to realize, how do I walk in this freedom? And this is where I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. And I want to talk about what Paul was addressing here. Paul, they start the church in Galatia. And he leads these people to Christ. They build a church. They begin well. And he leaves. And while he's gone, a group of people called the Judaizers, they come in and they begin to teach this, they begin to tell this church in, in Galatia 
that, okay, you were saved by the death of Jesus, but you have to be circumcised and live by the law still so that you may be saved, so that you can go to heaven. And so, what we, now, what do we know about Jesus? It's either him or nothing, right? Galatians 5, it says this, in, tra- in verse 1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Now, why has Jesus set us free? For freedom. It says, Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, what is this yoke of slavery? Some people say, well, it's, it's going back to my old life. When I, he's talking about the law here. You know, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says that we are to repent, not only just repent, we are to repent of dead works. Dead works are my attempt to do good on my own, outside of the Holy Spirit, to get the favor of God, to make me in right standing with God, to make me righteous before God. And the thing is, is you can't do it. That was the whole point of the law, is to show that you cannot do it outside of the work of Jesus Christ, outside of the work of the Holy Spirit in a, new, in, a, in a newborn again believer's heart. You can't do it. And he's telling these people, look, these people are coming in telling you that you, you were saved by Jesus, but you have to keep it by the law. Now, there's all kind of fact. There's all kind of different people in the in the Christian community, in the church community. There's lots of people that will tell you, face down, oh yes, I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But their actions in their life would reflect the belief in this right here. But I must maintain it myself. But I must do it myself. That I must create the rule list, and that I may that I must do everything perfectly. And what that does is it puts Jesus to shame. It puts cross to shame. It, and and we'll, re, we'll continue reading. He says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, okay? In other words, if you accept circumcision as the entrance into this covenant where it's the old covenant, the, old, the, the, the laws of Israel, he says, he says, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. So he says it's either Jesus that saves us or it's the works of the law. He says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to what? Keep the whole law. You know, James says this, that if you failed at one point of the law, how much of it have you failed against? All the law. So this is a 100% deal. If you want to go to heaven by keeping the law, the law of God's word, the old Levitical laws, the, 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 the ceremonies, all those things, that you cannot miss one step. He says, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. In other words, we're talking about your salvation here. If you, if you want your, your salvation to be justified by the law, then Christ is no advantage to you. It's either Jesus or the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And so Paul is, is, is adamantly clear that our salvation, the beginning of it, 
and the continuation of it in our life as we live until we go to heaven is an act that can only be performed by Jesus Christ. It is an act that is always Jesus Christ. I was, the day that I repented and believed in Jesus Christ, I was saved because of Jesus Christ's life and his death and his resurrection. Today, I am saved because of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. I am not to begin to say, okay, Jesus saved me. Now it's up to Chad to maintain my salvation. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because anytime, because here's the deal. Anytime we put it upon ourselves... It always leads to failure. It always leads to failure. But what I'm getting at is this, is our question is this, is that if we're saved, what the heck do I do? Because there's, there's like a do to everything, right? You know, when you, when you look at, when you look at a shooting a pistol, man, there's all kind of ways and stances and theories and all this thing, but there's, uh, there, there's this one group of people that say, well, when you shoot a pistol, okay, you want to apply 40% of pressure in your right hand, and you want to apply 60% in your left hand. Now, how many of you have shot a pistol before? How do you figure that out? I mean, because I'm like, dude, because it, here's the deal about shooting a pistol. It's all about side alignment and trigger control. You put the sights where they go, you easily squeeze the trigger, and if you don't disturb that side alignment, you're going to hit what you're shooting at, right? But if you throw in addition to that, this, okay, 40, 60, 45, you know, 55, uh, you know, it just, you, you start, you're like, you go crazy. You're like, what the heck? And, and the deal is, is when, and people, you know, I mean, I've, you know, I'm like, okay, it's either Jesus or it isn't, but now that I'm saved, what the heck do I do? What do I do? How many of you don't want to know what to do? Nobody. Nobody wants to know what to do. Now what? Is, is it a discipleship book? Is it, is, it, is it, you know, a positive affirmation? Is it, is it not the Old Testament law, but the New Testament law? Is it a list of things that I have to do? Or is it still Jesus? Well, obviously it's still what? But what does that look like? You know? Because when we remove our eyes from Jesus and we turn to self, you're going to fail. You're going to fail hard. You're going you're gonna to be the righteous man that falls so many times, you're not even going to have a nose lift on your face because you're going to be scraping the floor continuously going, I can't get this right. You know, we're free. Here's the deal. We're free today as Americans, but we're still fighting. What? To secure our freedom. You're free as a Christian today, but you know what? You're still fighting against your flesh. You're going to wake up tomorrow, and you know who's going to be there? Guess who's going to be there with you tomorrow? There's going to be your flesh. And your flesh is going to want you to do the wrong things. And your flesh is going to want you to lust. It's going to want you to lie. It's going to want you to steal. It's going to want you to kill. It's going to want you to do everything that is counterintuitive to the Christian walk and the Christian life and looking like Jesus. We're to look like Jesus, right? Now, whose power are we supposed to do this under? Our own power? No. We're to do it underneath the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Is sin okay as a Christian? Should we just do what the heck we want? I mean, because, you know, we, there's also, you know, so he says, look, you're saved by the grace of Jesus. Amen? For by grace you have been saved. Go, let's, let's do this. Go to Ephesians 2. I want you to know where this is in your Bible in case you've never been to Ephesians before. Everybody's been to Jeremiah 29 11, right? You know, I know the plans you have for me. Good, 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 and awesome. Go to Ephesians 2. Verse 8. And, and look at this. For by grace, for by what? Grace. You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of what? Mm. So that no one may boast. If you boast at all about your works, then you're wrong. Everybody say that, okay? If you boast, you're wrong. Right? I remember Gunny used to get out, and we would be in formation to go PT. There'd always be this one guy in the wrong T-shirt, right? So you got a couple hundred guys, everybody wearing the exact same thing, and you got one guy wearing the wrong T-shirt because he was drunk and hungover and did get the memo or whatever it was. And instead of Gunny just chewing that guy out, Gunny would stand and look at the whole formation and go, one of these things just ain't like the other. You remember the old Sesame Street song? They still sing that stuff in the Marine Corps. And he'd say, if you're not in a green t-shirt and a green pair of shorts, you're wrong. And obviously the guy who's red in the face standing there, unlike everybody else, you know, is like, oh, I must be wrong. I'm the one here not in a green t-shirt. But it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Who is the only thing that we can boast in? Jesus. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see, you've got to understand there's two different works. There's dead works and then there's good works. Dead works is me attempting to be what Christ wanted me to be without his help. Good works is a result of him working in my life. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, he said walk. That means we have to do. Right? There's a walk there. I mean, we're so to-do list oriented. So, well, there's a walk, so that means there has to be a to-do. A to-do. I have to do be like Christ. I have to do the things that, that Christ wants me to do. To be what he wants me to be. So go back to Galatians. Chapter 5. So verse 13, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. There's that flesh. It's a reality. The flesh is there. How many of you fought your flesh since you've been saved? Yeah, y'all can definitely agree with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go to Operation Graduation. See how the flesh rises up about 4.30 in the morning. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, even in, as Americans in our freedoms, you can be free and be selfish. Freedom is really no good for selfish people. 
Because it creates the chaos that everybody tries to prevent. But it doesn't work that way. Because it's a heart thing. You know, I, I get, sometimes I wonder, you know, what if, what if Christians had every law exactly the way they wanted it? You'd still have people going to hell. You'd still have people that don't like Jesus. You'd st- you know what I mean? Legislation, that's what God, the law in the Old Testament couldn't change people from the inside. But the new covenant, the Bible says, is, you know, we're, now we're new creations. Old things are passed away. All things come new. It says, I will write the laws on your heart. It, it converts us. It gives us a good conscience, the Bible says. The, the new covenant does something on the inside, whereas legislation and Old Testament law doesn't do anything to your inside. It just reveals how destitute you are. But if he says, he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now imagine this. He's writing to the church at Galatia. He's saying, look, this isn't the way you learn Christ. He says, you learned it was by Christ and through Christ that you're going to be able to walk in the minute we're talking about the Spirit. But he's saying, dudes, if you, if you bite and devour one another, he says, you're going to consume each other. You ever seen churches like that? These are God's holy people. You know, the church lady? It's funny, dude. Oh, dad, dad especially can give you thousands of stories about little ladies, little, the little old church ladies. They know the Bible, and they try to act like Jesus some, but when the, when the heart is exposed, ooh, it's scary. You know? It's scary. And so they've, they've, they've done all they can, and, and there's old men too that are bad, and, and young women, all that stuff. So it's not just old ladies. So if you're an older lady, I'm not trying to offend you. But I'm just, you know, using the church lady as the example. You know how pious and perfect she was, but if you offended her, you know, like, mm, like Satan, you know. But it has to be on the inside. And so the deal is, is when, like once going back to the pistol, you know, Whatever you do on that pistol, the most important thing is what? That you're hitting what you're shooting at. Right? What if you technically did everything you knew to do, but you were like hitting the berm and not even hitting the paper target? What if as Christians we had these long list of rules and we did all of them flawlessly, but our hearts were stinking distorted and evil and it wasn't spewing out the love of Christ, and we weren't serving people. What if we weren't hitting the target? Then what would all this stuff matter? Right? It's the results. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus wants to see results in our life. He wants to see good works. I mean, and, and the reason God wants to see good works in our life is because we'll be walking in His way, we'll be, we'll be becoming like His Son, and we will be straying from a lot of pain and grief and misery. This, you know, what God want, the life that God wants us to live isn't just because, look, well, this is different, let's do it. No, it is, it is a life of righteousness that, that misses a lot of pain and suffering and death that sin brings about in our life. But once again, how, how in the heck do we do that? What book do we read? What talk show host do we watch? None of them. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So he's saying here, he says, look, you live in freedom, 
But if you're missing the target, you're not walking in the way. You're not, you're not getting the point. You're not doing what I've called you to do. And then verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, good, let's go. Y'all got it now. That's the answer. And I'm thinking many times, I mean, we do. We, we're like, man, what, what do I do? Walk by the Spirit. Oh, okay. And it's like we've left people to imagine what the heck that means. And then you get some people that are just turning into cuckoos, you know. They're like, oh, walk in the Spirit, man. It's the Spirit world, like they're smoking peyote on young guns, you know. And do you see the size of that chicken? You know? You know what I'm saying? You ever seen people that talk real spiritual? But you know they're, they're, they're crazy, man. They're like, dude, you're way off target. You're not hitting the target. And then, but the thing is, is that's what the world sees as spirituality. And they're like, I ain't shooting that gun. I'm just going to do things on my own. But the thing is, is there, there is a reason and rhyme to walking in the Spirit. Now, we know that there's a flesh. So here's the deal. You know, it goes back to the black dog or the white dog or the bad dog or the good dog or whatever, whatever analogy you want to use in your life. But it's true. Whichever one you feed the most is going to get bigger and stronger and able to overpower the other. I've been hearing this since, you know, Sunday school. And you know what? Here's, it's so basic, right? But what does life, what do you always revert to when you start missing the target? The basics. You don't try to go learn some new way of achieving. You go back to the very first thing that you begin to do that helps you hit the target in the first place. And you know, it says Christians, when we, a lot of times as Christians, when we first get saved, man, there's such a zeal, there's such an excitement. There is a willingness to not touch anything that you think would displease God or, or cause corruption into your life, right? But then we get mature and we think we know better. And then we think, well, I can handle everything. And the next thing you know, sometimes we allow addictions to come in back in our life. And the next thing you know, we're missing the target. We're not walking the walk that we once did. And, and what, what Paul tells the Galatians here, because he goes on further, and he tells them, hey, this is the works of the flesh. He says, idolatry, sexual immorality, impurity, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things of the like. I warned you as I warned you before. And the thing is, is they, listen, they take upon themselves the law that God wrote. And what does it result in? They turn into these sinful people. By relying on the law of the, the, the Old Testament law and their personal works to achieve what God wanted to achieve to their life. And it doesn't produce those results. It produces death. It produces sin. The Bible says that the law gives strength to sin. And the whole point of this is this. It's self. It's self. It's self. It's self. You're not good enough. You ain't smart enough. God wants us to depend solely upon who? Him. God, us, God wants all of our faith to be poured into Him. God, us wants, to, God wants us to follow Him. But we want our independence and we get our freedom and we think, oh, I got all kind of slack now. And God's saying, hey, you're free because my son has set you free. But if you want to walk in freeness, you've got to walk in the Spirit. But I say walk in the Spirit 
and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against what? The flesh, for they are opposed to one another. So everyone is bipolar. It says to keep you from doing the things you want to do. How many of you have sometimes just so desperately wanted to do the right thing and it's like you just couldn't? It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, in verse, 20, in verse 18, it says, you are not under the law. And then he goes on to say, this is the works of people that are not walking in the Spirit, walking in the flesh. And it's a list of a lot of things. Some of them of which some people in here may be guilty of. And God's saying, walk by the Spirit, not the flesh. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And you're hitting the target, amen? And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. But still we're like, okay, walk by the Spirit. What the heck is that? Walking by the Spirit, first off, is knowing I can't do it without the Spirit. You know, all through the Bible it teaches, you know, what's cool, God is, God, you see, the old covenant was like, you do this, you do it. Do it, William. Do it, William. William, you're not doing it. William, do it. Okay, he's doing it again. William, you're not doing it again. But the new covenant is now he wants us to be righteous, but he has empowered us to do righteousness. Father God is not only calling us, he is equipping us. He's not a, it's, it, you're not a slave anymore. See, a slave, slaves, so owners don't help slaves, Okay? Slaves do all the work, or they're just beaten to death, or whatever. But, but God is our Father now. We have peace with Him. Now, He will discipline you. I mean, if you, don't, if, if, you, if you let the flesh rise up, if you don't keep your flesh under control, there's, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. But, but here's the deal. Now we have a Father who helps us do what He's called us to do. And also, you're not going to be able to do nothing without His help. That's what the Holy Spirit's here for. And so as Christians, we cannot get this mentality that, okay, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. I've, no, no, no. That's why everything that we do from worship to reading his word, is, it's all about this. It's not about performing for God. It's about getting to know God. It's about worshiping God. It's about, it's about becoming so desperately needed for God because that is the only help that you can get from God to do what he wants us to do, to do what it's going to take to change our hearts, to do what it's going to take for us to hit the target. It ain't about acquiring rules. It ain't, acquiring, it ain't about acquiring laws. It's about walking with a spirit that I know, that empowers me, that loves me, and wants to equip me. Because as Christians, we don't want to take the time to sit down at the feet of Jesus. We don't want to, set the, to take the time to sit down and talk to God. As Christians, we don't, want to sit, we don't want to sit down and take time to listen to the Holy Spirit 
as he speaks into our lives. We want to do things on our own. We want to do things our way. We want to operate in the flesh, and we wonder why we're not hitting the target. There is a do, but it's a result of your relationship with God. That's your only hope. That's how needy you are. And you look at you look at you look at Mary and Martha. You always see them contrasted. Where Mary, you know, when they were all, you know, together, and Mary, uh, Martha was in there working. Right? She's all about getting the food ready, getting it, getting it served. She was she was about to do, to do, to do. And Mary, what did she do? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning to have a relationship with Jesus. And so, what we need to do is we need to rely. We we really need to seek. The Bible says seek God in what? You'll find him. We need to become needy people that say, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't read enough, you know, self-improvement books that are going to change my life. I can't watch enough Oprah. Matter of fact, if you watch any Oprah, it will set you back. We need, we need... We need Jesus for our salvation. We need Jesus for this walk. We need the Holy Spirit to equip us. We need the Holy Spirit. You see Jesus when he was on the mountain for 40 days, and he was hungry. He did Operation Graduation for 40 days (laughs) with no cookies and coffee. And he was tired. Imagine, Imagine fasting for 40 days. I don't even know what percentage of you would still be alive. Some of you would die after one day with no coffee, you know. But, but think about that. To be, you know, here's the deal. When is the flesh the strongest? When we're the tiredest, when we're the weariest, when we're the grouchiest, when we're the most selfish? Because the more tired you get, you desire comfort even more. You'll even get to the point where you'll shoot somebody for comfort, you know. And, and so, so this is when Satan presents himself. Jesus operated. What happened to him right before he went up there? He got baptized. His father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He said, the spirit ascended him like a dove. The spirit was there to empower him, to encourage him. And how did he fight the devil? With truth, the sword of truth. Every time Satan tempted him, he'd say, this is what the scripture says. Satan would say something, this is what the scripture says. And so us knowing the scripture is knowing the spirit and gives us power to fight against the flesh. Amen? How many of you want some of that? You know, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? I think some of us are really trying to conquer things on our own. And the the reality of it is you can't. You know, what, what good would it, if, if, if our reliance should be upon God, but we're using some other means to attain the change, God wouldn't even be wise to allow you to accomplish it because you'd be trying to do it through some other means. The deal is, is we want to hit the target, right? You know, I'm talking about anything imaginable. I mean, some of us are, some, you know, some, uh, some people are, are, are struggling with so many things. I mean, it may be addictions. It may be lust. You know, every time you get on a computer, you can't help but go to where you shouldn't need to go. Some, some people just got bad attitudes, and you need Jesus to change your attitude. You know, what's funny is, is, is it, it's like 
things in our life compound, right? You're like, man, I'm grouchy. I need a cigarette. You get a cigarette. Now I got lung cancer. You know what I mean? It's like we just, one bad thing, you know, it just, it just keeps compiling our lives. And I don't believe smoking's a sin. I just think it's, it'll kill you. And whatever, whatever you think about that, let that be the results. But the deal is, is we, we, we rely on other things that God doesn't want us to rely on outside of him. And, and, you know, me as a daddy of, 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 of Callie, I've had it for 18 years. I've had to go to her and, and repent and say, look, I didn't handle this right. You know, and God, and God, God knows we're going to fail. But God says, confess your faults one another that you may be healed. He wants us to so quickly learn to run to him and say, God, I can't handle this. I need you. He doesn't want us to delay. You know, when I failed my kids and I go to them and I repent and say, look, daddy was too gruff or daddy was too rough. They know this, that they can trust me to make it right when I failed them. But in that, they begin to see trust in my heart to say, I love you. And, and you know, there's some of you, some of you husbands, man, you're like the biggest jerk of a husband. And you create hell for your wives. And you create hell for your families. And some of you wives, man, you're so nagging and controlling in your, in your house. And it doesn't, you know, here's the deal. Where's the peace? You know, Jesus, I just gave you the fruits of the Spirit. Is your household full of joy and peace and love and kindness and gentleness? What kind of households are you living in? You know, and, and I have no idea about each individual, you know, because preachers, everybody acts different than a preacher, right? You ever be a preacher and walk up to a football game, walk up to a crowd of people, man, it just goes silent. Oh, God, y'all quit talking. <laughs> I do the same thing. I just don't talk to nobody. I don't want nobody knowing my wrongs and faults, right? But, but do you hear what I'm saying? Is, is, your, is your life producing the fruits of the Spirit or the fruits of the flesh in your household? And your kids, you know, what are your, what are your, you know your kids are watching you. And, I mean, hey, you... You are a freedom fighter example to your children. And your kids are going to fight the way you fight in this spiritual battle. They're going to fight the way you fight in the the physical battle. But what kind of fruit are you producing in your home? And are you relying on Jesus to produce that fruit? Because here's the reality. If you're producing good fruit, you are. But if there's some bad fruit, you're not. It's pretty much black and white in this area, Paul says. Even if you attempt to produce good fruit by your own means and your own measures and your own things, it turns to bad fruit because God wants you to know you need him. You need his spirit. So just as much as we are, are we to obey in action? Yes. But he empowers us to do that through this relationship and this trust and this dependence that we build on him. So everybody just bow your head and close your eyes. We've got a whole five minutes left. And, and this today, this is what we want. This is what the call is, is are you tired? Are you tired of trying to do the right thing by your own means? And are you desiring the Holy Spirit today to empower you to deal with, I mean, dude, we're talking about thousands of little things, maybe big things that, some, that people struggle with. But how many of you today say there is something that I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me defeat? Just lift your hands while no one's looking. Exactly. Why? Because there's still a flesh to battle.
the flesh is not going away today or anytime soon until Jesus comes back when we are perfectly glorified. But you know what? Just like Elizabeth was talking a while ago, in the beautiness of life, there are still things going on. There's still the flesh to deal with. There's still troubles and trials. But in each and all of these situations, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to get through them. And until you sit down and stop and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Until you seek his word and his truth and his ways, you're going to be fighting an uphill, losing battle. And so my ask you today this, if you're tired and today you want to say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see what it's like to truly walk in the Spirit, to depend on you. If that's you today, I just want everybody to stand there at their feet while Sharisha just leads us in a chorus or a short song. Just today, if that's you, you raised your hand. Just come to the altar today and say, Jesus, give me strength to not rely on myself, but to rely on you to, be, to perform the good works that you've called me to work.